This episode is brought to you by Dietz and Watson. Uh, Molly, it's time we have the talk about hot dogs. Oh, oh, okay. Well, hey, (laughs) I'm looking for a hot dog that's the real deal, Matthew. Like a classic hot dog that like when you think of like the platonic ideal of a hot dog, Mm -hmm. I recommend Dietz and Watson's Dietz Dogs. Ah, well, I've heard that they're handcrafted and made using only Dietz and Watson premium meat. I can vouch for this because Dietz and Watson sent us a big box of hot dogs and other delights. And wife of the show, Lori, and I had them for dinner last night. We had uh, the classic beef Dietz dogs with uh, toasted buns with sauerkraut and pickled jalapenos and Dietz and Watson ballpark style yellow mustard. Do you think you'd recommend Dietz and Watson hot dogs for fried rice? Oh, yeah. Fried rice with some sliced hot dogs. I'm going to be doing that soon. Wife of the show, Lori, is going to be making the hot dog flour buns from Christina Cho's cookbook, Mooncakes and Milk Bread. Very excited for this. Mm, And I'm especially pleased because Dietz and Watson does things the right way. So this means like no additives, no fillers, no artificial flavors, no cutting corners. You can feel good about this stuff. Dietz and Watson. It's a family thing since 1939. Shop now at Dietz slash the right way. That's Dietz, D-I-E-T-Z, and Watson.com slash the right way. I'm Matthew. And I'm Molly. And this is Spilled Milk, the show where we cook something delicious, eat it all, and you can't have any. Today, we are talking about pecans. Yep, or or pecans. Pecans. Or pecans, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, wow. Just like last week's Euros episode, this one is full of pronunciations. Okay, yeah. Is is Mr. Pronunciation going to join us Um, for this? He is. He is, but not yet. Okay, great. (laughs) Um, So, this is a nut. It's a nut. Right? Uh, So, I did the research on this episode, and... I was pretty psyched to do it because uh, just recently, so I had bought some pecans uh, at Thanksgiving, right, to make Hoosier pie, which is a mm. pecan pie with chocolate and, and whiskey. And or at least my family calls our pecan pie with chocolate and whiskey Hoosier pie. I but think, it gets more complicated when you look up what Hoosier pie yeah, is. Yeah, I okay. think Hoosier pie is like a kind of some sort of custard pie. Which basically a pecan pie is also a type of custard pie. And it was and it was uh, created by Gene Hackman back when he was like coaching that hard luck basketball team. I just spit a little bit on the mic. <laughs> cool. That's about what that deserved. <laughs> anyway. OK. Uh, no. June recently asked me when I think when I was making Hoosier pie, she was like, oh, pecans are so tasty. Like, why don't we snack on them more? Like, you know, peanuts are everywhere for snacking or cashews. I think it's because they're one of the more expensive nuts, right? Well, so the first thing I said was, well, pecans don't grow around here but then again neither really i mean i guess there are peanuts that grow around here like alvarez farm yeah but i think like when you when you get a jar of planters i don't think they're grown in washington no 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 um so so yeah the first thing i thought was I, i think pecans and I think the South. And I wasn't sure why that was. Okay, and yeah, now, not either. Now I am going to educate us. Okay, but should we go down memory lane first? Sure. I grew up in Oklahoma, and my first encounter with pecans that I remember was on my elementary school playground. Really? Yes. There was a pecan tree. Wow. The pecans would fall on the ground, and we would absolutely... During recess, pick up pecans and step on them to crack the the shells, and we would eat pecans on the playground. 
All we had was horse chestnuts. Oh, no. They're great for throwing at people, but not for eating. That's right. Uh, No, we had pecans. And I remember this was a very typical thing at a certain time of year on the playground. I mean, I remember eating tons of pecans on the playground. That is not what I expected you to say at all. Isn't that like so lovely? It is. It's it's kind of... uh, I imagine like it's something like if I was reading, you know, a memoir from like the 1880s or something like, you know. Well, here's the sad part uh, is that the the school did a big like building project and built a new building and like built it over that playground and moved to the playground somewhere else. And that tree is no more. But like as a result of uh, their their agreement with the city arborist, now um, the principal has to come out and throw a handful of pecans every recess. That's right. Okay. Uh, hold on. I have more. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, also, my mother and Barbara Fretwell, who has been discussed oh, yeah. many times on the show, always made Aunt Bill's candy. Which I, you've definitely mentioned before. Yeah, it's like a brown sugar fudge with pecans. Right. It's ABC. Easy as one, two, three. That's right. Yeah. So they made that every Christmas and that always uses pecans. Uh, when I've made it as an adult, and there's actually a recipe, I wrote about it, I think, maybe for Bon Appetit magazine, maybe? Uh, anyway, Could be. there's a recipe for it uh, with my name on it somewhere on the internet, which basically is is the Aunt Bill's recipe that has been handed down through many generations. But uh, my switcheroo with it is that I toast the pecans first. Oh, that sounds that sounds key. Obvious, but good. And then, of course, uh, my other memory lane is is Hoosier pie, as as previously mentioned. All right. So I don't like I didn't contribute a whole lot to the agenda of this episode because like I I like pecans. I don't I just don't have any like real like pecan experience to speak of, (laughs) except the only thing that came to mind. I'm like, okay, I've got to have something for memory lane. This is our most beloved segment. Yes. Um, Yeah. uh, Is my uh, one of my first bands, Cat Piss Lint Trap, had a song involving pecans. (laughs) Really? Yeah. So this was, I I usually describe as like a country punk band, but we were really just more of an absurdist band. Our singer would sort of improvise lyrics. And uh, one of of our songs, and this was a real song that we like played live on stage all over Seattle, uh, was called No More Peanuts in the Peanut Can. Um, And uh, near the end of the song, Truman, our singer, would throw in uh, this following line. So the song would go, the song went, no more peanuts in the peanut can, no more peanuts in the peanut can. Repeat that like 30 times. And then at some point you throw in, no more peanuts in the peanut can, peanuts for sale and I got pecan. So that's my memory lane. (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay. Well, cool. Oh, um, uh, that's pretty great. As, as I recall, like when when the first time Truman came up with that, we all thought it was really funny. Yeah, no, that's pretty great. All right, so uh, I want to I want to get down to to the to like where this thing grows and comes from and stuff because yeah. um, who ate the first pecan? Well, it was definitely uh, some native peoples in okay, sure. in the uh, the North America area. So the pecan is actually a species of hickory, and it's native to the southern U.S. and northern Mexico, kind of mostly around the Mississippi River. Okay. Um, so the the word pecan derives from an Algonquin word. Is that, did I pronounce that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. An Algonquin word uh, that like variously refers to pecans, walnuts, and hickory nuts. Okay, sure. Yeah. No one seems to agree on how to pronounce this. Yeah. Like I think 
like my the way I usually pronounce it, like most people would probably say it was wrong, whether they're like from the south or the north. And what? How do you say it? I usually say pecan. Oh, that's an. I feel like that is a really interesting hybrid. Right, not pecan and not pecan. Although, like, if I'm around like you know other people, I will I will probably like fall into saying pecan because I think that's what most people. So you'll say pecan. Wow, that that is really a fascinating. Yeah, but hybrid. also I don't say it a lot. Like mostly, if I'm just reminiscing pecan, about an old pecan, an old pecan, band. pecan, pecan, pecan. You don't you don't do that. Yeah, I mean, like only only like when I'm meditating. <laughs> okay. All right. So I did find this little gem from Wikipedia. Okay. In 1927, the National Pecan Growers Association acknowledged variant pronunciations while designating one mm. as official and correct. And here's what they said. Pronounced as though spelled pecan. Is that am I reading that right? Do you think pecan? Well, it's it doesn't say here like which syllable is accent. That's right. So those in the habit of using any other pronunciation, therefore, <laughs> be, be requested executed. henceforth to adopt exclusively the pronunciation above specified above and be and hereby <laughs> adopted by the association. Wow. How did that go for them? There were so many words in that sentence. Um, I don't think it worked. How does it, how does it usually go when you, when you try and get people to like mold their language to your dictum? It, it really mm-hmm. succeeds, always. Uh, okay, so the pecan is cultivated primarily for its seed, which is the part we call a nut. But of course, the pecan, like the fruit of all members of the hickory genus, is not actually a nut. It's a droop. Oh, nothing, nothing turns nothing out to be a, a nut. nut. Anyway, so uh, once again, uh, I had to remind myself what a droop is. A droop is a fruit with a single stone or pit surrounded by a husk. So would this be like uh, peaches, plums, cherries? Apples, I think. Uh, That's not a a single seed. Yeah, you're right. No. Yeah. Stuff like that. Stuff like that. Uh, So the husks, so the the outer part, what I think of as the pecan shell, is produced from like the the outer tissue of the ovary. ovary. Yeah. And then the... uh, the, I like how you hesitated as if you weren't sure whether it was uh, appropriate to use the word ovary. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then the part that we call the nut develops from the inner part, the endocarp, and it contains the seed. Okay. So the husk starts out green, turns brown at maturity. It often has these pretty little kind of flecks on it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a handsome nut. It's a really handsome nut. It's pretty smooth, like compared to a walnut, for instance. The husk is pretty smooth, pointed yeah. at one end. I'm gonna, I'm gonna like uh, interject here to point out that I um, these handsome nuts that we're holding <laughs> um, <laughs> came from a, a bag of like seasonal, like you know, around the holidays, the, our grocery stores will start selling uh, mixed mixed nuts in the shell. I was gonna say, wait a minute, this is a walnut, Matthew. Yeah, this- so this, I couldn't find a bag of just pecans in the shell. I could only find a bag of mixed nuts. And like, so I bought this big bag that was $10 and probably has four pecans in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And we've got two of them right now. So here's the thing. The history of these is pretty great. And the history goes back pretty darn far. Okay. So pecans from wild pecan trees were widely consumed and traded by Native Americans. And apparently pecans were a good thing to forage because the, like the, you know, the husks when they fell on the ground were often still edible. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. Whereas, you know, like other fruit, when it falls on the ground, it's, it's bye like, bye. yeah. So actually I, I loved reading that because when I was a kid, obviously you were taking we, part in a, in a centuries old, like, like exactly. millennia old tradition. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, no, but I, I found myself thinking like, oh, well, yeah, it wasn't like we went up and picked the nuts from the trees. They were already on the ground and they were still perfectly fine. I'm trying to think, I was, I was going to say, I'm trying to think if I've ever eaten something that fell on the ground, <laughs> but that'd be the answer to that is yes. many times. Yes. But like something that like fell off a tree onto the ground. Yeah. I mean, I, I am not. I think maybe not. Yeah. Because usually it's it's pretty gnarly by that point. So Europeans. I'm going to go hang around your old elementary school. <laughs> Europeans first learned about pecans in the 1500s when Spanish explorers were tromping around in what we now call Louisiana, Texas and Mexico. <laughs> are we say what we now call the tromping. That, the tromping zone. Uh, they called the pecan. Could you try to pronounce this? Nuez de la Ruga. Which Wikipedia says means roughly wrinkle nut. Okay, I yep. like that. Mm -hmm. This is like very similar to what they called walnuts. Mm -hmm. uh, the the Spanish were familiar with walnuts, so they referred to pecans using the same word. Basically, I certainly like you know used to think they were the same thing because I would only see them shelled and they look very similar. Yeah, they're both yeah. wrinkle nuts. They're both wrinkle nuts. Uh, the walnut has like a broader a broader overall shape, mm -hmm. you know, uh, the pecan is like narrower, more oval. I'm talking about like a half of, of the nut, yeah. right? Anyway, uh, these Spanish explorers took it back to Europe with them, uh, and it also made its way into Asia and Africa. Like the Native Americans before them, early colonists of the U.S. enjoyed pecans. And yeah, I mean, you find you find a tasty-looking, like a handsome nut on the ground, you're going to pick up that You're going to eat it. Uh, Thomas Jefferson grew pecan trees, and apparently he gave some of the nuts to his pal George Washington. <laughs> Who grew them at Mount Vernon as well. Okay, sure. Yep, they were training nuts. Hey, did he say, hey, George, how do you like these nuts? No, I don't think so. He did. Uh, You're wrong. But here's the interesting thing. So um, pecans were actually only domesticated relatively recently. I was going to ask about that. Like, are these are these like the same ones that fall off, a tr that, that were falling off trees prior to European colonization? No. Well, some of them probably are. But here's the thing. So the commercial growth of pecans didn't really start till the 1880s. And part of it, part of what took so long is that a single pecan tree can produce nuts with like a huge variety of characteristics. Like, like so, what? Like well, some so, are spicy, some are like cinnamon sugar. I think that some may be like meatier, or more tender, mm. or it's kind of, a, it, it really seems. I want mine to be meaty and tender. Well, me too. Okay. But basically, in order to, and also trees take a long time to establish, right? Oh, this is this is something I have also noticed about trees. <laughs> yes, so, so anyway, to speed up production and make these things like commercially viable, and also to select for the the parts of the trees that were producing the best characteristics in their fruit, um, they started grafting. Okay. And the first cultivar, uh, it was apparently actually really hard to graft pecan trees. Apparently, there was a tremendous amount of failure for a while. Like, what does grafting failure look like? I think just a failure to take, yeah, right? Yeah, I guess so. But the first cultivar to be successfully grafted was called the Centennial, and it was grafted by an enslaved person named Antoine okay. in 1846 or 1847 at the Oak Alley Plantation in Louisiana. All right. 
So, so yeah, good job, Antoine. Thank you for helping us get closer to commercial pecans. Yeah. Today, most of the country's crop is grown uh, still like, you know, in that same rough area, Georgia, New Mexico, Texas. Mexico is actually a huge producer, grows like half the world's pecans. Um, should we eat these things? Yeah, let's crack into some. Okay. And I like I did contribute something to this episode, which is uh, some like other. I, I bought the pecans and like wife of the show Lori made some cookies. Wow, oh, man, you myrtleized that thing. <laughs> did you, you just murk- say it? <laughs> you murked it. What? <laughs> oh yeah, this is really oh, wait, bringing okay. me back. I, 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 yeah, I did the same I thing. I absolutely destroyed this pecan. I think there are some nutcrackers that are better than others. Yeah. For pecans. So this one's. This one is Molly not. brought a nutcracker that's like the exact nutcracker that my parents had when I was a kid that looks like two kind of knurled metal rods that that have like a spring loaded thing at the end. Mm-hmm. It's always a little bit like kind of loose and wiggly. Mm. You know, this just takes me back to the playground, man. Oh. Wow. <laughs> Mine just exploded. It <laughs> just looked like an episode of the Muppets when, like, the <laughs> Swedish chef is just throwing things behind him. Mm-hmm. Your pecan just did that. Yep, and then I put some of the shell in my mouth. Oh, yeah, that's like a rite of passage. If you're going to eat pecans straight out of the shell, mm-hmm. you're going to eat the shell. Okay, yeah, that is that is good. Isn't that good? I would, then, I would say the shell is much, much, much more tannic than the nut. Uh, <laughs> my, my, my mouth's kind of in hell now. Mmm. Wow, that's so good. Remember, remember when, we, when we did a persimmon episode? and I've been eating a lot of persimmons lately. I, I ate some in Japan because it's persimmon season, but uh, there was like some like early explorer who wrote that like it, it you know draws the mouth awry with much torment if you eat an unripe <laughs> one. That is what just happened to my mouth. Like mm-hmm. if you think about like <laughs> like you know taking a sip of like like strong black tea and it's like tannic mm-hmm. and astringent. Mm-hmm. This was like fifty times that. Like. Ugh. Okay. I went to I went to the dentist this morning. I thought like like my mouth trauma was over for uh, the day, but no. No, your mouth has been drawn awry. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna move on to like more sweetened versions. Even Matthew, though that was good. Matthew, I almost wanted to make a A quiz? A a quiz of pests that plague pecan trees. Okay. But I didn't. And instead I've just, just listed made a list. the ones that I like. Okay. Uh there's the hickory shuckworm. Wait, the hickory shuckworm. Oh, That's wow. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. When that, I, wouldn't that be a great insult? In, you, you hickory, hickory shuckworm. shuckworm. What I was going to say is when I inevitably start my professional wrestling career, I want to be known as the hickory shuckworm, which <laughs> could be kind of culturally appropriative because I'm not like from the hickory region. Hmm. But I don't know. I'm okay with it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, th- no, okay. actually, uh, I don't know what you're going to say next because I genuinely haven't looked, but my wrestling name is going to be the next insect you say. No, you should no? you should wait a little longer. Okay. The next one is the ambrosia beetle. Hmm. <laughs> okay, I like this one. Look ha- out! Here comes the ambrosia beetle. <laughs> okay, no twig girdler. <laughs> <laughs> that that's I, a, that I think one. I like that better as an insult. I know you, you twig, twig girdler. girdler, and then the pecan nut case bearer. <laughs> That sounds like it just takes the shell and walks off with it, it right? It does, doesn't it? And then, of course, there's also, I texted Matthew a picture of the Filbert weevil. Oh, I didn't even realize that was related to show research. I thought that was just like some, like, 
<laughs> this is like the porn you like. No, no. <laughs> it was a little picture of a filbert weevil. It was really cute. On an acorn cap. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was so cute. We we talked about maybe making like a, a new segment instead oh, right, of Beak right. of the Week. Like proboscis of the... Yeah, well, that's where I got started. Okay, wait, no. Uh, you, you liked yeah, one of the ones that came no, out you with. Some, it was, you had some good ones. Um, you had um, com- compound or uh, handsome guy or <laughs> handsome was, guys with compound eyes or something. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's better than the thing I said. That is it. Handsome guys with compound eyes. I also liked that. I liked the thought of having a segment segment. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was from Watson. That was from Watson. Yeah. What about the Arthropodcast? Uh, that probably is an existing yeah. podcast. Okay. But like handsome guys with compound eyes, like using <laughs> like like handsome guys in like a non-gendered sort of way. Just oh, like, yeah. Like any good looking buck. Uh, well, if you want to see that picture of the Filbert Weevil, just- uh, Yeah, you definitely do. Look up Filbert Weevil on Wikipedia and it's the photo that's there. And p- just part of what I love is the caption, Filbert Weevil on an acorn cap. Lizards will probably know that uh, like masculinity is not a thing I care a lot about. In, in life. Mm-hmm. And yet the other day, uh, and uh, like I remember feeling this way the last time I got this request, uh, wife of the show, Lori, discovered uh, a scary bug on her sweater and was like, you come here and deal with this bug. I can't handle Did it. Did you deal with it? Yeah, calmly. Wow. Um, yeah, I've never felt more manly. What kind of bug was it? It was one of those marmorated stink bugs. Oh, God. What did you do with it? I threw it off the balcony. Oh, that's good. Okay. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, don't crush it. No. <laughs> It'll draw all its friends. Is that how it works? Yes. Oh. Did you read that New Yorker article about no, the marmorated stink I was, I was stink too scared. Bug? Like, if I read the New Yorker article, I wouldn't be able to calmly deal with them. That's true. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Town Place Suites by Marriott. Whether you're traveling for work, need a place to stay while your home is being remodeled, or maybe you're just enjoying a relaxing week away, well, Town Place Suites by Marriott has all the comforts of home. Yeah, so they've got a full kitchen. Uh, they've got, you can borrow appliances. Like if you want a blender or a slow cooker while you're traveling, you can borrow it, no charge. <laughs> uh huh. So, like, you could invite your friends or your coworkers over for like a post meeting drink. You can bring your pet. Totally allowed. Oh, I love this. Oh, I see. They even have special pet items you can use. And they have the built-in alpha closet system. Nothing makes me happier (laughs) when I am traveling and I have, like, a place to put away my clothes. Mm -hmm. Molly has seen what happens when I don't have a place to put away my clothes. Nobody wants to see that. Nobody. Nobody. Yeah, so, like, a whole closet system where I can really, like, unpack for reals. I am down. Well, this is made for you then, and this is Town Place Suites by Marriott. Town Place Suites by Marriott has all the amenities you need to feel at home during your stay. Find the comforts of home at Town Place Suites. Go there with Marriott Bonvoy. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Matthew, let's let's eat some more pecan yeah, things okay. while we talk about how many states have the the pecan as the state nut. Okay, probably not ours. Okay, so first off, I need to I need to like look up what the recipe here is uh, that uh, that we're going to eat in just a minute. 
Okay, I'm going to open this bag of sweet and spicy pecans from Trader Joe's. Yeah. Says they're great for snacking. I feel like there aren't a whole lot of foods that I genuinely consume seasonally, with the pecans. exception of Reese's, trees, uh, pumpkins, and hearts. And eggs, but uh, salted, like like s- sweet and spicy nuts. Spiced nuts. Spiced nuts, like that says like the holiday season to me. And I will like, you know, pound a bunch of those and then forget about them in January. Oh, I mean, homemade spiced nuts are always the always best. Always better, but these are pretty but darn these good. these are very good. Oh, I like these. I think it's also just the right amount of spice. It kind of builds up. Mm-hmm. And they're great for salads or snacking. Mm-hmm. Again, Trader Joe's has never sponsored our show. I love the crunch of a pecan, Mm -hmm. raw or toasted. How would you describe it? It's a very light Mm -hmm. crunch, almost like a like a Lay's potato chip. Yeah, and I think a walnut is a little more dense and buttery. Yeah, I mean a walnut can have the same crunch, but a walnut also has more more nooks and crannies, Mm -hmm. which just give it a different feeling. It's more of a wrinkle nut. Oh yeah. So the pecan is the state nut of Alabama, Arkansas, Texas, Louisiana, and California, which it turns out has four state nuts. Four state nuts. What's the point of even declaring a state nut if you're going to have four of them? Yeah, the whole point of, of declaring a state anything is to be like, that's the best one. Right? So anyway, California also has the almond, pistachio, and walnut. Um, I feel like they just couldn't choose. Like, come the, on, California. Narrow it down. When I was a kid, and I assume this must still still be the case unless, like, lobbyists have gotten involved, the, uh, like, the state plant of Oregon was Oregon grape. Which is kind of a kind of a useless plant that you can't eat and is and is has thorns. It's true. You can use the roots as a dye plant. Okay, that's probably why they chose it. Yeah, I'm sure it is. All, all those right. all those um, natural natural dyeing enthusiasts. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, the uh, the pecan tree is also the state tree of Texas. Yeah, and I believe we've discussed the Oklahoma state meal here before. We have, yes, and it's very extensive. It is, it is, but it includes pecan pie. Sure, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, uh, well, I mean, the state meal of California includes a pie made with four different nuts. <laughs> okay, so what you're opening there yeah. is a recipe by um, friend of the show, uh, Kristen Carousel, which is not that actually is her not name. That is not her name. <laughs> but it's Kristen, who, the ardent, ardent homesteader who makes carousel, mm. our favorite salted caramel sauce. Oh, my and God. And these are uh, pecan caramel shortbread cookies made with carousel. These are incredible, Kristen. Holy cow. Mm-hmm. Hey, mm-hmm. will you let me know the next time you order some carousel? Yeah. Can we link to this recipe? Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, my God. That's so good. That is an exceptional cookie. Now- I have had pecan pie. I don't know if I've ever had a particularly good one because I don't really have strong feelings about it. And I feel like if I had a good one, I would. Mm, I don't I, dislike it. No, I feel like I can take it or leave it if it's just a pecan pie. I I, I want the chocolate in it, too. Okay, yeah, I have had that, and, and I really like that. But, like, if you put chocolate in anything, I'll like it. Okay. I wonder, is pecan pie, like, a thing you have to grow up with to no, truly appreciate? I wouldn't eat it as a kid because I was skeeved out by the, the goo. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's been an adult discovery for me. I loved goo when I was a kid. <laughs> really? <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> you hate goo. That's true. I mean, it depends on what texture of goo. A mayonnaise you hate? I hate mayonnaise. Ketchup you hate? These are very common goos. But like I, the like the pecan pie goo doesn't skeeve me out at all. Really? Yeah, oh, no that problem is with the it. Yucky. That's the goopiest goo. 
No, it's thicker. It is thicker, but I guess it depends on the style of pecan pie that you're into. Like Hoosier pie has a relatively low amount of almonds. Excuse me. It has no almonds. It has a relatively, that is a relatively low amount. It's a relatively low amount of pecans compared to the amount of goo. Which, so which you know, Hoosier pie is called Hoosh. <laughs> <laughs> so so there's there's quite a bit of like goo just all, for goo's sake. <laughs> Whereas some pecan pies are almost like on the dry side because there's so much pecan and like just enough goo to hold them together. My pie is gooey. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's really good. This is who's your pie we're still talking about? Yeah, but you can't be you can't be like um goo averse cuz it's gooey. Okay, well I, I laughed so hard that I passed out and then when I came to you said my pie is gooey and I passed out again. <laughs> so what was this episode about? Almonds. Right, great. <laughs> All right, Matthew, what do you do with pecans? Um, you know, I like I have my friend Molly come over and then we like <laughs> eat some cookies. Yeah, uh-huh. And uh, then we crack into some pecans and I bite down on the shell and then my mouth goes awry. Yep. Um, <laughs> like nothing pretty much. Like I I enjoy them in a like in a mixed nut assortment. Like yeah. you know, I'd say they're kind of like the kind of a mid-tier nut for me in the assortment. Okay. So like uh for me, hazelnuts are at the top, but I would put pecans above almonds or peanuts in a mixed nut, a nut assortment. Hmm. Hmm. I'm not I'm not a big almond fan. Yeah, yeah. I get tired of almonds. There are almonds everywhere. That's true. <laughs> Including all over this episode, which mm-hmm. is actually not about Often almonds. Often I'm walking down the, down the street and a bunch of them fall out of a tree. <laughs> yeah, yep. And you can't pick them up. Maybe you can. Um, I don't know. I mean, I can. Okay. What about like butter pecan ice cream? Love it. Butter That's pecan good stuff. Things. Yeah. So I think that I've always avoided it because I was afraid that it would have like fake butter flavoring. I mean, maybe like, and, and when I say I love it, like it's not a flavor of ice cream that I ever like specifically buy, mm-hmm. but like as soon as you said it, I'm like, oh, that stuff's good. Yeah. Uh, butter pecan was a big favorite of my dad. Sure. He was a butter pecan man. A pecan man. A pecan man. <laughs> All right. I think that was so good. It was so. Simple. It was so good. Great. One of the one of the great jokes. <laughs> oh wait, I'm getting a call. It's the Nobel Prize Committee. <laughs> okay. Okay. What about pralines? What what are pralines exactly? <laughs> I, I see. I like. I, it's, a, I, it's a pecan. It's been like candied, uh, like, a, like a, a cooked sugar pecan thing. Okay. I mean, um, I think of it as like kind of like toffee, but pecan based. Okay. I think now there are going to be calls for us to do a whole a whole show about pralines. I, I'm pretty sure. I think we're going to have to think, after this. Yeah. Okay. We've gotten ourselves in too deep. <laughs> yep. Okay, hold on. So apparently there's also pecan oil, okay. which I think I've seen, and also pecan butter. Pecan butter sounds so expensive. Yes. I imagine going to like PCC and seeing a, a jar of pecan butter and it's like $28. That's right. Like, I'm not saying this is a thing that has actually happened, but it's not hard to imagine. I think it probably wouldn't even be a PCC. I wonder if it would be at um, 
chef shop. Could be a chef shop. Maybe even De Laurenti, although, I mean, they skew Italian. Yep. Oh, we have failed to mention Pecan Sandies. Yeah. Which I think we tasted for a a previous episode. Mm. And I think that, so I loved these as a kid. My dad would buy them. Hmm. Um. Wow, they have so little flavor. I was going to say, the, I, I think the texture is very good, but they have almost no flavor. There's literally almost no flavor. Literally, I think I just taste a little bit of like rancid fat. Mm-hmm. And yet, mm. I appreciate the way they're scrubbing the tannins out of my mouth. Mm. Huh, that's disappointing. Sometimes what you need is the opposite of flavor. Mm. Okay. Wow. I mean, I think we should we should also mention that probably if you're a furniture maker or someone who is into uh, barbecue, mm-hmm. you probably also think about pecans in in those capacities because the wood of a pecan tree is used often for making furniture and also for smoking meats. Uh, what if I'm someone who's into barbecue and I'm looking over at my local furniture maker and be like, are you done with that? That credenza? Because I, right, I, I could burn it. I could burn it. I love the taste of like old furniture varnish in my my brisket. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just want to burn a credenza. I burn all the credenzas. <laughs> <laughs> ah, Matthew, is there anything about pecans that we haven't covered? Uh, no, I'm gonna say that was that was probably the most comprehensive look at pecans. Like John McPhee was thinking about writing a piece about pecans, but then he listened to this episode. Like now nah, they covered it. That's right. Thanks, John McPhee. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the show. Um, Matthew, do we have any mail? Uh, we have some spilled mail. Oh, uh huh. It's from uh, listener Dan, who writes, Hello, Molly and Matthew. I started listening to your podcast and The Sporkful around the same time over a decade ago. In the final episode of the year, Dan Pashman always chooses a food to eat or cook more of in the coming year. This year, I'm vowing to cook more Italian food, focusing on dishes without pasta. I feel like that's shots fired at Dan Pashman. Wow. Uh, Do either of you have any food resolutions for 2024? Best Dan from Delaware. P.S. I totally stole your Watch a Snackin' segment for my monthly wrap-up blog post. Yeah, Dan, that's awesome. That's that's great, because we hardly ever do it anymore. Uh So, Mm -hmm. enjoy. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Uh, Do you have any resolutions for, like, things things you want to do more of, like, eat more of or do more of in the kitchen? Mm. You know, things you want to do more of in the kitchen. I was going to say... Um, do you? Um, yeah. Okay. So I would like to cook more Japanese food at home. Mm. Because as, as you know, because, uh, because <laughs> listeners love, love it when I talk about how I'm always going to Japan. Uh, we were just in Japan for a couple of weeks, uh, and ate Japanese food, most meals of, uh, of most days. And I like, don't cook Japanese at home that often, but I don't want to stop eating Japanese food that regularly. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm going to have to learn. Yeah. And uh, like I always, like whenever I want to make something, I always just go to justonecookbook.com, friend mm-hmm. of the show, mm-hmm. uh, and and look up Nami's recipe. Uh, so I will continue doing that. That's my resolution. Fantastic. And you don't have to have one. I mean, like, uh, I think you're perfect just the way you are. Oh, thanks. Thank you. I, God, I, I, it's going to take me more time to, th- to think about this. Um, I don't think I have anything right That's off fine. the top of my head. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I'm sorry, Dan from Delaware. And now it's time for Whatcha Snackin'. Hey, Whatcha Snackin'. You gotta tell me what you're snackin'. 
or I'll release the Kraken. So what you snacking? What you snacking? We're going to link to maybe this cookie recipe mm-hmm. that we're eating. Because yeah. well, I'm snacking on it right now. Me too. Yeah. Molly, do you have a now but wow? I do, Matthew. And this is one that I've been really enjoying for a few months now. Um, This is a Substack newsletter, and it is by a Métis storyteller named Chris Latre. Lives in Montana, is currently the Poet Laureate of Montana. And I think I might have found him through... And Helen Peterson's newsletter, Culture Study, maybe. But anyway, his newsletter is called An Irritable Métis. And he describes it as, uh, quote, thoughts from a crabby middle-aged native guy with plenty of meandering, often contrary, regularly hypocritical, and occasionally self-contradictory ideas about the world. He writes about all kinds of stuff. He wrote a really wonderful piece about burying an, an owl that he found. Mm-hmm. And it was just, I mean, it was it was full of uh, reverence, but also like just full of like what it must be like to be in Montana at sure. that time of year. Uh, he had a really interesting piece that I, I think was quite controversial about uh, depictions of Native people in like hotel decor. Oh, in a, sure. Anyway, but it was really thoughtful. And this is like one of the first places where I have been able to sort of really spend time reading Native voices without like uh, sort of the filter of an editor. Sure. And I think that's really valuable. Uh, I'm also loving his first book, which is called One Sentence Journal, Short Poems and Essays from the World at Large, uh, which won the Montana Book Award in 2018. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to I have not read this newsletter. I'm looking forward to it. We've been watching the last season of Reservation Dogs and like, yeah, he's written quite a bit about it. You know, one thing that I think is so great about that show and like, like, you know, that is like the kind of depiction that we need more of, of like every culture is like, you know, the the people on that show. And it sounds like the sort of experiences that that uh, that Chris Latre is writing about is not primarily symbolic. Like, you know, that, uh, you know, sure. whether positive or negative, if, if the only reason your culture is appear is appearing is to like make some point or serve some particular function in the story, then it's being reduced to like something less than people. Mm-hmm. And uh, like, you know, being able to experience like people of every culture as just people is incredibly important. Mm-hmm. I have also been loving, there are a few places I can say this about, but I've been loving reading the comments, like the discussions that happen in the comments on his Substack, because it's clear that he has a lot of Native readers. And from them, I'm learning about like other Native authors and, and you know, people that they're reading or things they're watching. And just, I mean, I haven't interacted a lot there, but I feel like I'm getting to sort of just soak up all this stuff that I haven't found anywhere else. Yeah. So it's been pretty cool. Okay, great. All right. Our producer is Abby Circatella. Uh, Molly has a newsletter that I really enjoy that's also on Substack. It's called I've Got a Feeling, and it's available at mollyweisenberg.substack.com. Great. Thanks, Matthew. Uh, Matthew makes music. Uh, His bands are called Early to the Airport and Twilight Diners. You can find them everywhere music is available. Please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Or this is a new thing that I've noticed some some of our listeners are doing, and I really like it, is uh, every time one of our episodes is published on Spotify, Spotify 
guy asks, what did you think of this episode? And, and you can answer that question. And if I like your answer, I can publish it for everyone to see. So uh, if you say something nice or funny about the show in response to that question on Spotify, if you happen to listen to the show there, I always enjoy that. Oh, wow. I had never realized that. I guess I don't listen to podcasts on Spotify. Yeah, I, I only like... There, there are a couple of podcasts I listen to on Spotify because they're only on Spotify. I mean, this is not like meant as a dig against Spotify, but no, uh, no, I get it. The uh, Susumu Yati podcast is only on Spotify, as far as I can tell, <laughs> okay. and I'm really enjoying that. Great. Uh, you can chat with other spilled milk listeners on everything spilledmilk.reddit.com. Yeah, like what what fell out of a tree and you ate it? Yeah, maybe, maybe I want to know. A small child. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, well, thanks for listening to the show. I'm Shuck uh, Shuck Weiler McCracken. <laughs> what, <laughs> no, what was the name? You're Hickory Shuckworm. Hickory Shuck. No, no, I'm now Shuck Weiler McCracken. I like that better. <laughs> I'm a what was it? A twig wrangler or something? <laughs> twig twig woggler. <laughs> what was it? Hold on. We oh, should be naming I'm a, insects. I'm a twig girdler. You're a twig girdler. All right. Bye. Bye. I mean, the, really, the nutcracker of yours is uh, Tchaikovsky. Oh, right. <laughs> Good one. Okay. All right. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 